In this edition of the podcast, Sydney Contemporary returns in real life for the first physical edition since 2019. CEO and Director of the Fair Barry Keldoulis talks about what's great, what's challenging and about reaching the capacity of the exhibition space. I'm Tim Stackpool and this is Inside the Gallery. Thanks for downloading the podcast once again as we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this podcast is produced and downloaded and we pay our respects to First Nations people around the world, whether they be past, present or emerging. And a reminder too that a transcript of this edition is available in the episode description at www.insidethegallery.com.au made possible by the Australian Arts Channel, available to view for free at www.australianartschannel.com.au. Sydney Contemporary returns this year from the 8th until the 11th of September with the country's largest and most diverse gathering of leading galleries. The fair welcomes over 90 galleries showcasing the work of over 450 leading and emerging artists. Sydney Contemporary provides collectors, industry professionals and the art-loving public access to cutting-edge art from some of the world's most respected artists and galleries as well as the opportunity to discover new emerging talent. Now, alongside the galleries are curated sections for installation, art and performance, as well as an ambitious program that includes engaging panel discussions, guided tours, educational workshops and an extensive VIP program. Build as one of the most celebrated events on Australia's cultural calendar Sydney Contemporary truly is a celebration of art. And you can learn more and grab tickets at www.sydneycontemporary.com.au. But for now, joining us on the phone and to tell us more is the CEO and Director of Sydney Contemporary, Barry Keldoulis. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. This is the fair's sixth edition, the first physical edition since 2019. I'm guessing it's great to be back. Yes, that's right. So um, it started in 2013, then 15, 17, and then we went annual. So it was 18, 19. And of course, due to unforeseen mm. circumstances, we mm. haven't been able to have it since 2019. So so there is palpable excitement yep. um, on the street and in the galleries uh, and in the studios, of course, as well, because it is the artist's Christmas, as they say. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think one of the... Um, aspects of not having had the fair for a couple of years is that I think people not only are missing seeing, you know, good art in the flesh, mm. but also that sense of community that um, that that the art fair has, you know, yeah. where it brings everyone together under one roof. Yeah, that's right. Now, you were talking about how there's a palpable sense of excitement. Has mm. there been greater pressure to introduce this a bit sooner than than what's coming up? It wouldn't really be possible to do it because the you know the slot is booked in at the venue and they have all sorts of other things you know available. Mm. And in fact, mm. um, last year when we looked at postponing it um, for a few months, it was very difficult to actually find a, a spot where it was sure. possible. Sure. So I think people certainly all the exhibitors realised that that although they were very keen for it to be probably as soon as possible. Um, they realised it was it was going to be September this year. Yeah. Barry, look, I have so much information regarding Sydney Contemporary coming from the publicist sitting in front of me, reams and reams 
of information. Oh, uh, it's it's just incredible how much yes you have you have lined up for this year. I just yeah. want I'll get to the art pieces in a moment, but a significant performing arts component as well. Yeah, um, uh, performance art. Um, uh, I would say rather than performing art. So right. performance art is that is that sort of category of, of visual artists who use the body, you know, um, and and as part of their uh, their connection to the visual landscape, um, as opposed to say the performing arts, which is you know opera and ballet and theatre. Sure. Um, and and so you know we have we're actually one of the probably the few um, art fairs in the world that really connects with this aspect of the visual arts. I think partly because you know most fairs are very much commercial um, affairs, which we are of course, but we like to think of ourselves as as a very much a whole of scene yeah. affair. Yeah. And and the perform the perf- performance artists are very much a resurgence in the last last few years. Interest in in um, performance art is is gaining momentum. So we have yeah a number of uh, quite significant performances this year. Working with performance space, we've got um, four artists: Wizen Ho, mm. who um, uh, you know works with her body, is actually creating a series called Stories from the Body, and will perform at. At dusk, sort of right at sunset, as part of her performance. Rakini Devi, um, who's got a work called The Reliquary Body, where she's looked at different ways across both Eastern and Western cultures of sort of sanctifying the body itself. Yeah. Um, and that will be a, an installation that, that she then inhabits and brings to life at various points throughout the fair. Saloti Tawale, who's a uh, an islander performance artist is fantastic, and Ali Sebastian Wolf um, and a troupe of um, her colleagues who get dressed up in these out, outlandish costumes. I think based around that uh, national icon, the Field Neck Lizard, this year. Yeah, I see they've got that collective called Deep Sea Astronauts. They're known as. Yes. Now, if people want to see this, I just noticed that there's information in the media kit that talks about opening night and the Friday night art night. But do we see any of this performance art at other times during the fair? Yes, the, the um, Ali Sebastian Wolf will perform at various points throughout the fair, as does um, Rikini Devi, and her installation you know, can be seen at any time yeah, right. and is brought to life at certain times. But certainly the preponderance of performance is on the Thursday and the Friday night. Yeah, so we should get opening tickets, really, shouldn't we, Barry, if we're going along? Yeah, I think that, and the, well, the Friday night's fantastic as well yeah. with performance, you know, throughout the night. Then opening night is the, is the, probably the biggest night, you know, with the most things happening. Um, and there'll be a performance um, by the wonderful Justine Williams from from Brisbane doing a, 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 a performance she's created especially for the fair commissioned by the Australia Council called She Predicted the Weather. Mm which will be fantastic. And then um, also on the opening night, um, Glenn Fiddick is sponsoring a um, performance by Michaela Gleave, who's known for her celestial choirs. Um, and this time she's doing a work that engages with different ideas of time and space. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and again, there's these performative costumes and these professional musicians exploring four different ways of, describing time, if I think I can put it like that, which will be fantastic. So, yeah, loads to um, see and do and listen to. Now, in that respect, you know, coming back out of the virtual editions, plenty of foot traffic as well. Give us an idea of, of the diversity 
of what you are presenting and, you know, really what we shouldn't miss? Well, um, it's very easy to get wrapped up in um, a lot of these ancillary activities, which are fantastic mm. and very much part of that whole of scene fair that we like to be. But it's it's worth not forgetting that, you know, the, um, the booth presentations themselves yep. by the 90 or so galleries that we have presenting. Mm. It's interesting um, and an interesting aspect of the, uh, or, or example really of the, the globalization of the art world that this year, because it's a lift and shift from the fair we would have had last year, it's only Australian and New Zealand galleries. Right. But have work by artists from over 34 countries, I think. That's the, that's the basis of the fair, of course, is those booth presentations by the galleries. There's various sectors, you know, important not to miss the future section, which is was created really for uh, young galleries, yeah. often you know, representing emerging artists, but, mm. but not exclusively emerging artists. And also it's morphed a little bit into project presentations as well. So Gertrude Street from from Melbourne will be coming up um, celebrating their, their history of, um, uh, well, they, I think for 20 years now they've produced artist editions, edition yeah. prints that um, that they use, I think, really as a fundraiser, but they've, they've got the whole 20 there on exhibition. And then um, Formist Books will be part of Future as well this year, and that's a, a publishing outfit that doesn't really produce books about artists, but books by artists. So the book themselves, uh, books themselves are really artworks. Mm, mm. Incredible stuff. But also, you know, in, in the list you have to include your panel discussions, there's the opportunity to actually get guided tours through the art, which is always yes. helpful. Yeah. The workshops too, and you have the VIP program as well. So there's there's so many aspects to this. I, I always wonder whether, like you say, this is the, the artist Christmas. It really is kind of the celebration of visual art in Australia. This is what your event has pretty much evolved into. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's really sort of celebrating the... the um well, I guess you said the length and the breadth, and the, the, the heights and the depths of, of uh, uh, you know, what's you know the visual artists are creating these days, um, and there's so much you know to do, to talk about, to experience. There's really there's too much for anyone to do mm. in any one day or any mm. one uh, you know iteration of the fair, which is why people keep coming back. Yeah. You know, there's, there'll always be more again next year. I think important to remember as well that it is very. It is very contemporary. You know, the 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 work that's exhibited, apart from a number of secondary market galleries, the work from the, most of the galleries is, of course, completely fresh. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's great to go to the museums and see contemporary exhibitions at the museums, but they you know they take years to put together and mm. produce. Whereas everything at the fair is very much now almost never seen before. You could say. Uh, well, it, it, precisely. In fact, that's that's a requirement that the work has not been seen pr previously. You had virtual editions. I think the last time we spoke, we were talking about the virtual edition for Sydney Contemporary. I mean, nothing stacks up to being there in the flesh, though. But has it been tough, Barry? I mean, I don't want to keep going over old COVID lines, and we've talked about it for two years now. But, yeah, we're not allowed to say the C word. No, no. But just give us a sense of how tough you've seen galleries doing it, if tough at all. What, what's your impression? It's a really mixed bag. And, um, you know, some galleries have actually had some of their best years ever mm. and others have found it very difficult. You know, there were galleries, I think, that were more prepared, 
when uh, with their online presentations when when COVID struck um, and they were sort of in a better position to take advantage of it. Um, and it was also, I think, noticeable that the galleries did very well. It was mainly artists who already had sort of waiting lists and were very well known, you know, yeah. to the public. I think for emerging artists and young galleries, it was much harder. But some galleries actually did quite well, and I think that was because there was a lot of people stuck at home not being able to spend their money elsewhere. Yes. And either looking at, at bare walls or thinking they needed a refresh. And actually some, I think, went out and bought new homes in different places and had to, had to uh, you know, uh, put art on, on their walls there as well. So some galleries actually did quite well, mm. but it was difficult for some. And it was actually very difficult for, for the artists, of course, because so many of them um, in various places, you know, where they were restricted, the movement was restricted, they often found themselves incapable of getting to their studios. And you might find even at the fair walking around, it might be an interesting way to look and see how artists' production has changed over the last couple of years. Uh, I know that certainly last year a lot had to produce work domestically, so the scale of the work, you know, shrank. Mm. I think mostly this year you'll find that, you know, they've been able to get back in their studios and and that won't be, you know, such an issue. But it would be interesting to see, you know, if there's a sort of current running underneath of of the way that artists have changed their practice over the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. And and talking, as you did before, about the 90 galleries, something like 450 artists, 34 mm. countries, you said. Is your show as big as it can get now, do you think? Yes. the We can't expand the um, footprint of carriage works, and we take up – we're the only event, uh, event, in fact, that takes up the whole mm. footprint of carriage works. Mm. We can't really grow – but we can probably keep on improving in terms of, of uh, our presentation and the quality. So the, 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 the presentation will constantly change, and I think that's something that we as organisers have to manage because, of course, this year, as I said, it's only Australian and New Zealand galleries, but next year we will have an influx again from, yes. from Asia and from South Africa and various other places. So it's something that we have to manage expectation where where galleries will want more and more space, but we perhaps just can't give it to them. So they'll have to improve the the quality of their presentations perhaps instead. Yeah, and how do you, I mean, a tip for next year, Barry, for anyone who's listening, I mean, is it about first in, best dressed? Yes and no, because um, one of those, uh, one of the um, ways of of, um, dealing with the lack of extra space, if if I can put it that way, is that, the galleries will sometimes change their presentations a number of times during the fair. So, you know, as works sell, they will often replace them with different a different work by the same artist in the first couple of days. Sure. But then sometimes they will change their, their whole exhibition schedule on, say, the Friday night, so the weekend presentation is different. Yeah. Which is a great reason to come back day after day, Barry. Absolutely. (laughs) I want to ask you also about Annika's work. There's some special information in front of me here regarding Amplify, which Mm -hmm. which is described as your most ambitious and diverse installation program. Can you give us a bit of an idea of what this is? Yeah, Amplify is is what we're calling the old installation contemporary this year. So Amplify, we chose Amplify because, of course, installation contemporary uh, is uh, an opportunity for artists to create and and exhibit 
work, large-scale work that normally they wouldn't the the gallery wouldn't have the capacity, and certainly perhaps not in their booth have the capacity to to show these works. Right. So it's a real opportunity for for artists to create works that are of a scale that would be more likely to be um, of interest to museums, cultural institutions and probably sort of corporate collections yeah, um, yeah. rather than the domestic scale works. So there's not a lot of opportunities for artists um, in Australia to exhibit a large scale work. So, so it's very um, enthusiastically um, engaged with, and we have, I think, 15 works this year yeah. um, scattered throughout the, the floor plan of carriage works um, of these works. So, yeah, it's one of the highlights of the fair. There's quite a few. The names here are Peter Clancy, Michaela Dwyer, Claire Healy's in there as well, Vincent Namajira. So, and, and as we expect from these artists, all huge pieces. Looking through the, the documentation here, they do all look like large installation pieces, no doubt about that. Yeah, mostly they're large scale. I mean, we have had um, ones before that were quite tiny and intricate and hidden in various spots. And, mm. uh, and in fact, uh, some of the Tony Alkers that are in the fair are not necessarily large scale. There's like three works actually in this corridor that he's going to occupy. Um, and, and a couple of those are actually not hugely, uh, are huge in scale, but they're, um, they, they suit the uh, peculiar environment of carriage works. Yeah. And, and how do you curate such things, Barry? I mean, you have to look at it from a commercial perspective as well. Do you look and say, yeah, I can see that piece being bought or no, I think that piece is rubbish. How do you, how do you balance that up in your head? I, I think you have to trust that people are imaginative mm. in, in the way they spend their money. They're um, engaging and they're adventurous. So it's not necessarily – it's hard to tell how to know until something's exhibited if it will sell. Yeah. But you're not going to know if you don't try. Um, and that's, that's to a certain extent, you know, why we have Amplify. Because also on the collector side, the people who might purchase it, again, if they don't get the opportunity to see these sorts of works, then they're never going to be inspired to buy them. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a sort of, I guess, chicken and egg or cat and mouse type of, of experiment. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's usually very expensive. And it may, the piece itself may not sell, but it may inspire somebody to commission a piece, a large-scale piece by a particular artist. Yeah. I, look, I guess I ask because, and, and this draws on your years of experience as well, but like any trade show, whether it's in the arts or not, you also have to deliver for the footfall. And if those individuals have a less than inspiring year, then irrespective of what the trade show is, they say, well, it's not worth coming back next year because last mm. year it was it was not engaging. So you have two jobs to do. One is to make sure that you provide space and footfall for the galleries who are mm -hmm. buying space from you. And then secondly, you've got to make sure that those who are exhibiting actually do inspire and engage those who come through yeah. as, as well. So I'm kind of in your head... I mean, you could be approached by galleries who who represent artists which perhaps aren't engaging or artists who are too emerging, if I can put it that way. And then you've got a toss-up in your head, well, will I actually make floor space available to these people? Will I offer them the privilege, I guess, in a way, of letting them uh, exhibit at my show? Yeah, well, um, that's why we one of the reasons why we work with um, a selection committee so that it's not just, you know, one person's idea, but also... Yeah. Um, once and uh, once a gallery has been accepted into the fair, 
then we will work with them yeah. with their presentation, particularly if if we think their presentation is, is for example, you know, they're, they're trying to fit too many artists into the space. Mm. Um, you know, if they do have to stick with what um, they've put forward, um, often though they will have for unforeseen circumstances, they'll have to change that. So they can, you know, get back to us with some ideas to change the presentation. And usually that works out well. But we do insist on a sort of uh, a certain calibre of presentation. Yeah. Now, I know that, you know, you're not allowed to have favourites, but mm. is, there, is there any particular works or galleries that you're actually really looking forward to seeing on display this year? Oh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, too, that's far too um, diplomatic, Barry. <laughs> uh, Paul Mash, who comes from Gisborne, pretty much a gallery at the end of the, end of the world. You yeah. know, he's on the east coast of, of New Zealand on the North Island there. But he always has really interesting presentations. Mm. Um, and I know that this year we had to get the okay from Carriage Works for one of his artists to actually carve into the walls um, of, of, of Bay 21. Gosh. Um, and that will be a really interesting um, uh, presentation uh, uh, alongside another artist that he's working with who does works that are deceiving to the eye. Uh, in terms of, of, of you, you kind of have to work to work out what it is that you're looking at. Mm. He's always good. One. I mean, it's it, like you say, it's very hard. I mean, uh, Vincent Amadira is having a solo presentation with This Is No Fantasy from Melbourne. Mm. And I always enjoy seeing his work. Um, you might remember he won the Archibald a couple of years ago, which I think has shocked perhaps a lot of people because he is a very – want of a better term, naive style of painting. But yeah. one of the reasons why I think it was uh, a significant win is because his portraiture is not just of his self-portraiture, is not just of himself, but he includes other people as a way of defining his personality. Um, and so his presentations are always, I find, quite fantastic and fascinating and quite funny usually as well. Yeah. Gee, there's, there's so much, um, and you've caught me slightly off guard, even though I should have prepared better. No, 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 that's quite all right. It's a question without notice. Um, and there's there's significant, you know, uh, Indigenous present, apart from uh, Vincent Amateur, of course, there's a lot of other really interesting presentations. I know that uh, Utopia Art Sydney is doing a wonderful presentation celebrating 50 years of Papanya Thula. So that will be fantastic as well. Mm. Uh, there's so much on our cast and always does a good presentation as well. Um, it's difficult to um, to pick favourites, really, but yeah. uh, there's you know the, the 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 major galleries, of course, across Australia and New Zealand, always put their best foot forward, and you know the artists are very much aware that their work is going to be seen by you know all of the institutional directors and curators, as well as the top collectors, and as well as thousands and thousands of the general public. Yeah. So yeah. it's really it's really hard to um, to pinpoint a highlight, but it's worth noting that, you know, it's very hard to go around the fair and not see a lot of work that you like. And, of course, a lot of work that you don't like as well, which will often mean that it may not be the work for you, but it's probably a good work if it elicits emotion. Correct. Always the way. You, you kind of run through a aspirational shopping list there, Barry, at the other end of the scale, though, any, in your opinion, emerging artists we should perhaps keep an eye out for? Uh, yes, definitely check out um, the you know, the future section. And the National Art School has a presentation of, of graduates or recent graduates, or I think sometimes they include 
some of their uh, their, their students that are still studying, yeah. they're always worth having a look at. I'm not sure who they're presenting yet this year, but they're certainly worth checking out. And they they that is very much a first come first serve basis because they usually sell out within a few hours of the opening. Yeah, um, and I think they they will refresh their booth over time as well. Um, it's interesting to watch if you're interested in in emerging artists. Interesting to watch what ArtBank buy. So ArtBank will <laughs> yes. presentation this year of of works that they buy at the fair. Yes, um, and uh, a big a big wall there at the entrance to to Bay Twenty One. Um, but that's you know it's the only government department to ever have made money mm. um, because really their their um, their uh, ambit is to buy emerging artists. And, yep. They, that's their uh, curator's speciality. Really, is is to be able to pick artists that are that are going to be in it for the long run. That's actually a great tip, a very good tip. Yeah. Now, before I let you go, I just need your opinion on. You mentioned a little bit how perhaps sitting around during COVID, we developed a greater appreciation of art, what to do with the works on our walls or whether we need new walls or new artworks for those walls, that sort of thing. Yeah. The appreciation of art in Australia, and I've asked you this question two times now in the past uh, on previous uh, discussions we've had on the podcast, mm -hmm. do you think the the hiatus in our mobility, uh, not just locally but internationally, do you think that's developed a greater appreciation of art in this country or has it set us back? I certainly don't think it set us back. I think, I think that you're right that there has been probably a, a greater appreciation of of community in general um, and our creative uh, community in particular. Um, I think it's well known that, you know, most of the creatives have have found it very difficult, you know, obviously particularly in the performing arts, but also, you know, to a certain extent, visual artists are performers in that they put their work out there to be seen in exhibition um, and they 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 feed on the feedback from 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 not just you know critics and admirers and but also from the general public. So yeah. um, that aspect has been missing from their lives. And I think um, people uh, have have perhaps developed a greater appreciation of our of our um, creative people. And hopefully that will translate into to better support. Yeah, because we love to travel um, overseas and see these old cultures. You know, yeah. go to Italy or Greece, and I think people realise that that we are a, a young country that that houses the oldest civilizations on earth, mm. and you know to be a part of that, you know, you can support an artist simply by buying their work, and that's a way of, of taking part in, in the creation of what will be our culture. Well, Barry, it's great to have Sydney Contemporary back. I know it's a very huge job, and I wish you all the very best for a very successful fair. It's going to be fantastic, and I look forward to seeing you there. That's Barry Keldoulis from Sydney Contemporary, back for real from the 8th until the 11th of September at Sydney Carriage Works. Worth the trip, most definitely. And for tickets and more info, head to sydneycontemporary.com.au. That is the podcast for now. For a transcript of this episode head to www.insidethegallery.com.au where you'll also find links to our Facebook and Instagram pages and you can join our mailing list there as well. Thanks for downloading the podcast. I'm Tim Stackpool. Bye-bye for now.